Janeway to away team. Status report. Captain Janeway? I prefer Vice Admiral Janeway. Is there something I can help you with? <gasps> can I help you? I, uh... Whew, didn't expect... I was on my way to... What's it called? I, uh... Try stringing a few words together, and we'll start from there. <sighs> Have you ever wanted something so bad, but you're afraid if you say the wrong thing, you'd mess it up? Often. But fear of failure has killed more dreams than anything else. So I usually go for it. I should have known you'd say that. Stranded on a ship stuck under 40 feet of snow is... Adam Bowen. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of the Star Trek Prodigy episode, Crossroads. Follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and if it still exists, Twitter. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and that'll help people find us. Absolutely. And as always, we spoil episodes when we discuss them and recap them so if you haven't watched crossroads this is a good this is your reminder to go watch it before you listen to this episode also fair warning we do spoil a bunch of other star trek stuff on this show as well all right well as i mentioned before we're talking about crossroads the 14th episode of the first season of star trek prodigy it first aired on 17th of november 2022 a week before thanksgiving and it was written by lisa schultz boyd it was directed by Steve In Chang An and Sung Shim. The in universe date is 61302.7, which corresponds to 2384. All right. Well, um, we always start our episode with our strange new takes, and I'm going to go first this time. And we had a bunch of snow here in Minnesota this week. And I had to go out there, and it was really weird because, and like, usually there's like a big dump of snow. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, one time, but this time there was like a little bit of snow every day. It was incredibly annoying because I had to go there every evening to do a little bit of shoveling. And oh, no. it's like, why couldn't you just give it all to me at once? And then I can shovel once and be done with it. So that was my little bit of frustration this week. Um, this episode felt very much like a, you know, it was a connective tissue episode. It didn't have a lot Mm. on its own i feel like it, it was cool like don't get me wrong i didn't and dislike it but it wasn't like the last episode which was which had a purpose on its own i feel like this one is set up yeah th this one's very much like okay and now the plot is happening uh for the rest of the season uh so yeah if you were wondering if when when all these characters were going to see each other it's right now mm-hmm <laughs> mm-hmm mm yeah, for uh, my strange new take, uh, the real life one uh, is I discovered. Uh, so as I mentioned last time, uh, uh, one of my chickens passed away. And so I have my remaining chicken right now uh, is a little bit lonely. So she's been spending extra time with me. And as a result, I've discovered that she likes watching TV. Uh, one of her favorite things to uh, to see on the TV is. Uh, 
is explosions, uh, which I, I don't know if I should be concerned about that. Uh, the the other thing that we tried out today was just watching uh, some videos of chickens doing things, and she seemed to obviously be very interested in that. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you've got a pet out there that uh, doesn't usually have the ability to watch a television, uh, try showing them a television. Uh, see what they think. Uh, you might learn something. Uh, for the episode itself, um, I... I don't know. I, I I really enjoyed seeing two different versions of Janeway like be really shown close, almost back to back to each other uh, in this episode. And I, I don't know. I, I, I there's like a obviously there's lots of visual differences that happen between the two the two different characters. Uh, but I feel like like Kate Mulgrew has a there's like a very different vibe that she gives to both of them uh like vice admiral janeway is very much just a huge badass who you do not mess with and uh hologram janeway is much more like the the fresh off the uh uh or like fresh into captaincy or or something like that uh in terms of uh her demeanor and well I, I i think i think hollow janeway is also just a little bit more mellow yeah like she's patient with the kids in a way that you don't see how admiral janeway would be you know yeah yeah that's that's absolutely the case so i i I was just enjoying seeing uh uh the same actor play two very different versions of the same character uh within a single episode yeah 100 percent. i uh i i I completely agree with you i was reflecting on that in this episode and even some of the other ones where we've seen both of them in one it's it's a well Again, Kate Muldrew's a really good actress, man. Yeah. Can you imagine if Genevieve Bujold had stuck around and we'd have, like, her playing, like, that, like, stoic French Janeway? I, I blocked that entirely out of my memory, so... <laughs> do, you, do you remember when people were like, man, she's a great actress, I can't believe she was shit. Like, bad on, like, Rick Berman and Brandon Braga or whatever for firing her, and then the footage came out, like, 25 years later, and everyone was like... Okay, we get it. <laughs> we understand why this happened. <laughs> oh uh, man, oh man, I feel bad. I feel bad. I'm, I'm, she she's done great work in her life, so Janine Bouchard didn't miss out. Uh, she just wasn't right for the role, right? Wasn't right for the yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. Not not everyone can be Captain Janeway. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, here is the summary for Memory Alpha for this episode. Uh, and of course, my window has closed, so I actually don't know the summary for Memory Alpha. At when the, the crew attempts to secure transport to the Federation, they unwittingly cross paths with the Vice Admiral who is hunting them. Why, thank you. Why, thank you, Adam, for reading it as I, as I struggle to get back into our notes document. And uh, that was a good summary. This is not from the guy who wrote those like three word summaries a while back uh, <laughs> on Memory Alpha. Like this is an, someone who actually watched the episode and is interested in providing some some narrative along with uh, to the people reading the summaries. Yeah. And it, it, oh. it teases just enough without revealing too much, I think. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, this episode starts with something that, in my opinion, is a callback to Timeless from Voyager. Did you did you catch that? Were you thinking that? Yeah, I I, I can see where how you're you're feeling about that because yeah, we're uh, we're on on an ice planet. We've got sort of the 
the frilly collars and whatnot, uh, uh, parkas, or I don't know why I can't describe uh, the thing that they're wearing. It's a very normal piece of clothing. Uh, I don't live in Minnesota, so it's it's harder you for lost me to your, say words You like lost that. your Midwestern touch, Adam. You've just <laughs> forgotten. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're wearing parkas with their little furry thing. It's very reminiscent of that, the aesthetic from that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Also, also the episode from Enterprise, where they, season one, where the Enterprise goes to the... Uh, there's like a winter station. They're tracking some Saliban. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, I I can I feel like the visuals going through my head, but I don't I don't recall the specific episode. Yeah, so it's it. There there have been a few snow episodes in Star Trek, and this was very much a reminder of that um, that vibe. So I think the most evident the the, the reminder that was closest to Voyager for me was when they actually like brought the protostar back up from outside of the snow. Mm. Um, and that was that was very reminiscent of of timeless. Um, oh, and and actually, are you talking? It's like one of the first couple of episodes of of uh, Enterprise. Is that what you're talking about? Where it's it's like a night scene where they go into that station while it's very it's like snowing. Exactly. Up, up, and then, okay, and there's, yes, yes. There's that. There's that is that, exactly how I felt about. Uh, and basically, every other line of dialogue is uh, an Enterprise crew member being like. Hey, stop doing this or that. And and then Tapal being like, this has been their culture for hundreds of years. Humans don't understand anything. What the hell? Why am I doing this? I hate you all. <laughs> that was that entire episode. That was pretty much. And then, then they had that like Lady Suliban um capture Kirk. Uh not Kirk, uh Archer. <laughs> and and try to like uh try to seduce him a little bit as like a beautiful like human looking female and then she turns into the Saliban and oh no oh, so no. different. Uh okay. Anyway, getting back to crossroads, we also find out that the diviner seems to have lost at least some of his memories. Yeah, and it's it's definitely one of those things where I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, like how this is gonna play out. Like it, it I, I could see sort of a reveal as like, oh, he has a lot more of his memories than, uh, than he's been letting on. But at least for this episode, it feels like he hasn't quite caught on that. Uh, he has sort of like an evil plan to destroy the Federation, but he's starting to piece things together, and I, I, I wonder what's going to happen when he sort of makes those final uh things fit into place uh which based on like how quickly we we had all the characters meet like maybe that's something that will show up like next episode or uh just like one or two away or something like that because they, they don't seem like they're like they're dragging this out necessarily longer than they have to no this is very much um I mean, they literally meet, right, in this episode. Usually yeah. an episode like this, they would have, like, oh, they're on two different sides of the building, and they're just passing by one another, and they kind of, like, seal a glance. Like, yeah, that they, literally, they, they, literally meets Janeway. Yeah, yeah, they, they, like, someone leaves a pad on the ground, and they discover, like, that they found hard evidence that they were there just as the uh, the ship warps out the system or something. But, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. This was, this was very much a, here, they are actually going to bump into one another. And I... I mean, like, and speaking of that, like, I, I, I appreciated that uh, we had uh, Rock Talk be the one to call out uh, sort of 
towards the end of like, wait, why didn't you tell, why didn't anyone tell them like the solution to the, to the whole problem here? Like, why didn't we say that there is a weapon and that's why, why we can't like have direct contact? Uh, because it's, it's one of those things where like, it's playing into like, that's what the trope is. That's what the trope says. Like, that's how we have to run this episode. We can't reveal that, uh, that there's a weapon and that that's why, uh, they can't have like direct contact with Starfleet. Uh, because that would ruin sort of like the arc of the season. But I, I appreciate them like having the character who's like calling that out specifically. Uh, and yeah, so it, it's one of those things like this is a, a it's a well-worn uh, uh, trope for like how this episode is constructed. But it I, I felt like they did it rather well here. And it I, I wasn't uh, uh, I wasn't as frustrated as I might have been if they did the whole like uh, they are almost there, but they never quite meet type situation. Yeah. And I mean, the thing, the, the the real thing to remember here, and this is, I think Prodigy is actually doing a good job of, of not making these kids into like, I don't know, Nancy Drew or some like, they're, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not, oh, for lack of a word, they're not prodigies, right? Uh, <laughs> well, maybe they are. They're smart, but they're not like experienced and they, yeah. they're still children. And so, they don't they don't understand consequences it's like when you know some child does some like they break some small thing at home and they think the whole world has ended right it's that that perspective of what is important and what is not and how someone else is going to react to to a reasonable explanation they just don't have it and they've been traumatized right like they've gone through a lot of trauma each of them so they're i think programmed to fear what they don't understand and what they can't immediately process they're very impulsive as well so mm-hmm. to me it made sense that they would like you know they see barnes franks who has his own like whole situation uh telling janeway like they're evil children blah blah and and they were like yeah that's we're in deep shit we gotta go um yeah well and and what i appreciate is also uh i feel like in previous episodes, we've leaned on Dal a whole lot in terms of like, oh, Dal has to be the one to like screw it up somehow. Like he's going to make some sort of impulsive decision that like ruins everything. Uh, but so it's the person who sets off that initial like bad interaction that then causes everyone else to uh, uh, essentially like irreparably uh, uh, go through their interactions is Gwyn. Uh, who is usually shown to be a, at least a little bit more um, mm-hmm. like thoughtful and responsible uh, through a lot of the other episodes. So I, I appreciated having her be the one that uh, has that bad encounter with the ensign, misinterprets what they mean by her father being present. Maybe she's worried about like uh, Janeway is in league with her father in a, in a way that uh, is not actually meant. Um, and, yeah, so I, I I felt like that was a good way to set the the momentum for why uh why the kids have to escape and why there's this antagonism being set up now. Yeah, yeah, I, which is why I think despite this episode being all the setup, I thought it it wasn't a, I wasn't sitting there being like, why am I watching this? This is pointless, you know? Because I yeah, think I think yeah. we we do have these emotions to process. I think there are all of these like character elements that are brought in. Uh, that that help us understand the narrative a little bit better, uh, or or the arc of the the season a little bit better. It'll... Yeah, no, and 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 that is a fair point. Like, to to some degrees, or to some degree, like, 
this episode, you can look at it being like episode 14 and you know kind of the arc of this part of the season is that it's got to be like this like fugitive type setup of uh, where Janeway is hunting them. Uh, but it's like case of mistaken identity or uh, mistaken situations or, or whatnot. But and, and so like you could conclude is like, OK, this is the episode where they meet and therefore they have to escape somehow. And we also need to introduce like more Star Trek things uh, because we've been sort of doing a slow drip of like different Star Trek species and content and like mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. concepts and whatnot. So like maybe it is obvious that they just like go to the neutral zone and and things like that. But it, it even with you with it being possible to sort of like predict the structure of the episode based on like where it is in the season and all that all that stuff. I, I, I still felt like this was um, this was handled handled well. Like I I, I was mm -hmm. uh, I I'm kind of interested to see what happens when they go into uh, Romulan space and like how they interact with people. Which the the one thing that I'm a little bit sad about is that uh, I feel like Star Trek canon has the twenty three eighty four uh, up to Picard era, or or rather twenty three eighty four to twenty three eighty seven, like that time period before the destruction of um, uh, Romulus mm -hmm. is uh, it sucks. <laughs> it's it's just like the the at least if the uh sort of the beta canon is going to be held up uh the romulan star empire basically destroys its own self and and uh resists every attempt to uh help uh the people of the romulan empire uh in like surviving the supernova and uh i i, I hope that <laughs> we uh, don't just have a bummer of a time over the next few episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just don't... I think that's too... That topic, I feel like, is so philosophical. Yeah. That I don't know if it if it makes sense for a kid's show to, like, delve into it deeply. You know, this whole, like, geopolitical conflict mm -hmm. thing that we nerd out about and really like. I, I just don't see yeah. how they make it work in Prodigy. You know, there might be illusions, but I don't think we'll get a lot of depth to it. Yeah, which which kind of I don't know. I'm 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 just I'm a little bit sad about the whole. I think there could have been really interesting things, but we're just gonna probably permanently have this gap here of uh, lower decks is probably not going to address it directly, uh, or uh, maybe there'll be some references and whatnot. And the the only like canon connections we're going to get to things are references from Picard, uh, and then everything else is just kind of like leave this blank space of five ish years and yeah 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 well i i suspect at some time point someone will make a movie or a canon book or something that that addresses it further uh, i guess too, yeah it's it's, it's been mean, around they, for this long uh, anyways that they, they they'll cover it at some point <laughs> they, they, i mean yeah they've 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 worked it into picard they've worked they had it in 2009 so it's it's clearly something that's on the writer's minds and the writers can't seem to leave the romulans alone so i think mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get something um, let's let's start with the beginning of the episode where we I mentioned that we got a little bit about the diviner who doesn't seem to remember everything. We see the 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 kids basically design decide to entomb the protostar to go off and try to connect with you know do something else on their own, mm -hmm. which makes sense. You know they're they're basically hiding the ship. Although, kind of makes sense if you're a child. What if like someone finds this thing like 
thousand years from now and then like connects it to some Starfleet systems, you're like fucked at that point, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was also just thinking like what uh, won't people to de- be able to detect that there's just like a ship <laughs> underneath just a bit of snow or something like that. But uh, I guess we, we didn't have to uh, suspend our, our disbelief too long since they had to go back to the ship like an hour and a half later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And pretty quickly, they end up on the station where they pump into the freaking outrageous Okana, which... <laughs> what? Yes. Uh, uh, do you remember the outrageous Okana from TNG very well? Like, it's... it's He's... This dude is from, like, an early episode of TNG. Yes. Uh, season two, in fact. So, not exactly the most, like, um, memorable... Well... I think he is memorable in that basically he's like Han Solo and yeah, or, or, I, and it's it's memorable for for those reasons. It's like, look, we can have a a young roguish guy as well, and then throw him away after just an episode, and then <laughs> not have it. like I don't know. It's it's definitely like what why why go that direction when it's like not important for like the entire series. Uh, if you like make that character someone on the enterprise or something like that if you want to tap into that demographic <laughs> also also this the the original episode which by the way was called the outrageous okana mm-hmm. was the famous episode where jerry lewis appeared with brent spiner and joe piscopo oh, was in there as well um as and data tries to do comedy you remember this it, it yes <laughs> I remember it being very bad, but I didn't realize that it was part of the same episode. So that's hilarious. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's, th- that was the other piece of it. Uh, I guess in this episode, the outrageous O'Connor doesn't really do much. Well, he he's doing a little bit more than uh, when he was in lower decks, uh, which is uh, just as the, a DJ. Uh, yeah. Being the DJ. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, the kids bump into him. He is getting arrested by Zindi reptilians. What? Yeah, love. I love getting that. Like, I mean, maybe it doesn't like doesn't matter at all. But it, it's it's nice getting to see some Enterprise aliens being peppered into both Lower Decks and Prodigy. It, uh, the the whole thing feels more cohesive now, uh, obviously than it did with uh, Enterprise being the last Star Trek show, and then nothing like it introducing lots of concepts that were just never brought up ever again. The other thing, I mean, the other thing is we, people have wondered like, what did the Zindi get extinct basically when we took away the, the, what was it? The expanse, you know, the expanse, yeah, when it, yeah. you know, did, did basically them getting exposed to the rest of the galaxy, like kill them off. And no, it turned out they're still around. Of course, maybe these are like the last two Zindi and uh, they're about to be extinct because uh, uh, the kids are going to kill them all in an avalanche or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kids finishing what Archer started. Uh, yeah, so so our kids then end up inside the station and it's this is basically Moss Eisley Cantina, right? Kind of. It's like yeah, high yeah, the- scum and villainy, like star sci-fi trope. Yeah, I, I mean, actually, yeah, that connects with like the other thing that I was thinking about a, a lot, especially with like the chase scene at the end is like, oh, yeah, Star, Star Wars, like ice planet. Star Wars loves their ice planets, uh, love their like hovery uh, bike, ch- bike chase scenes and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, but it, it's one of those things where like it it led to a lot of good fun in this episode. So I was, like, I don't I don't mind blending things around a little bit. 
Did you did you have a did you think that maybe when we met that Klingon uh that Gwyn spoke speaks to that he might have been Worf for a minute? Oh, I don't know. He looks he looks so young. I, I it just didn't occur, it didn't occur to me. I was just like, wait a minute. No, they can't, can they? Maybe. No, no, they can't. Um, Much more likely to be Spock's brother than than Worf. <laughs> Uh, that's really funny that's really funny anyway well um, our, our intrepid crew basically end up inside the station Janeway and her crew end up there as well and they're all talking to one another Gwyn meets the Ensinescencia and Dal meets freaking Janeway and they all talk and, and real Janeway is being tender with Dal when they're talking like you know yeah but it, it it's it's also in a in a very i don't know it, i like you can you can sense both like her extreme earned gravitas of being vice admiral at the same time as like being uh still having that ability to be like uh disarming to people that she meets uh so it's sort of like maybe is a, a, a little bit gruff at the beginning but then uh warms up to him once it's clear that he's just kind of like intimidated and is just trying to like mm-hmm. get anything across to her um so I, I i appreciated seeing her uh approach to that yeah and it, it's I, I i think i was expecting that first meeting to be very like something immediately happens you know Mm-hmm. Where Radal reveals something about the protostar or something like I expected it to be more explosive. Yeah. But it's a slow burn. Yeah, it it, it is. And it's um I, I think it maybe gets to something else that I th- I thought went well is like we we have Barnus Frex that is obviously there to set up um some antagonism between Starfleet and the kids, but uh the way it's done, he doesn't make it clear that these are children. And uh, so Janeway sort of starts out much closer to just accepting what Barnish Frex is saying as the truth. And is sort of like even using the word savages along along with him. And it starts like connecting the dots on like, maybe this means Chakotay is dead uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, talk, and, which that's what's that's what scares Dal away. But then the moment that she like looks over and realizes that it's just like, they're chasing just a handful of children. Uh, she she turns on Frex while also making it clear, like we need to stop these kids and like uh, figure out like how to resolve this situation, whatever it is that's happening. But um, uh, yeah, because yeah, that, that's just something that I, I I think if if we kept up the Janeway hunting people that killed Chicote, uh, like th- that that would set like too vindictive a tone uh, to the rest of the series, I think. And by the way, uh, should also mention since you mentioned Barnes Frex, he seems to. I think he was talking to a Kazon. Yes, at the beginning. At the uh, beginning, telling his like weird stories. This dude is like bad news. Like, what the fuck is he doing? Just sitting around having chats with like people. Uh, yeah, there's a reason that that guy was uh, out just like on an outpost by himself. <laughs> for real. Uh, 
So anyway, we quickly go into a chase scene where our kids take over some sort of hovercraft and turns out Okano is hiding in one of the, the little bays in there. Mm-hmm. So the, we, have a, we have a chase scene that ends in an avalanche and then the kids end up in the protostar with Janeway and her crew chasing after them in the Dauntless. And we finally get to see the size differential between the Dauntless and the protostar. Yeah, I was... I mean, I I know that the Protostar is small because it's supposed to be piloted by what around like maybe maybe like a dozen people at the most or something like that. But I I was not expecting the Dauntless to just look that big, which I I guess maybe it feels uh, feels appropriate to its name or 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 whatnot. But it, it feels like. I mean, I, I guess I don't have a, a good size of the sense of the scale. I we we need to uh, we need to break out see if anyone has made a an updated like um, uh, ships chart uh, that I, I don't know if you've ever seen those uh, those charts where they show like uh, size comparisons between like different mm-hmm. Star Trek ships and then also have like Star yeah. Wars and other uh, uh, other series and um, or other bits of sci-fi and. Because it, it, it'd be interesting to see, like, how big is the Dauntless compared to other ships? Because my, my initial assumption was something on the order of Voyager, uh, yeah. which maybe that is the case, because I suppose the Protostar could just be, like, the size of seven shuttlecrafts or something like that. But still, this it, it's an intimidating size differential here. It was... My sense is that the Protostar is very much kind of a, a either as an experimental ship or maybe it's mm-hmm. meant to be kind of nimble. So you have a small crew of like six people living on this tiny ship. And then the Dauntless seems like kind of a ship of the line, very large. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. With Enterprise. a crew of 200 plus or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Like it, it kind of seemed almost like the Enterprise E to me in terms of size. Yeah, uh, it's possible. Yeah. But again, yeah. we won't. I'm sure at some point we'll actually get a. Uh, uh, we will see like a schematics channel, charge. which we'll we'll yeah, be able to yeah, exactly. determine the size or whatnot. Exactly, exactly. Well, then we have another chase scene where basically Janeway says that they're going to she's going to destroy the protodrive nacelle, and that's what they do with their. Well, for yeah. first of all, the the the. Um, Protostar kids accidentally fire a torpedo <laughs> at the Dauntless. Yeah, that 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 could have gone extremely wrong. I mean, it uh-huh. did, but like, well, yeah, this I, is this is Murph having now hatched into a humanoid creature, jumping onto the counter and firing a torpedo. Which, like. I, I will admit I'm a, I'm a little bit sad that he didn't uh, your suggestion uh, didn't come true where you said that maybe he's going to hatch and just be exactly the same. <laughs> I thought that would have been a good joke. <laughs> I really think so, too. But no, we actually get some sort of humanoid creature out of Murph now. It doesn't seem to be any more eloquent, but like uh, can fire torpedoes. apparently. <laughs> and so Janeway decides to disable the protodrive. And the protostar falls out of warp and crosses into the neutral zone. Somehow the Romulans leave the protostar alone, but when well, they, they modulated their seal, their shield, so they don't know that the protostar is there. Although I suppose also, uh, uh, maybe this could be something where the the Romulans would want uh, mm. an experimental ship to cross into their space as long as they have some way of keeping an eye on it. 
in order to capture it. So I, I assume that we're going to have some sort of like a t- uh, having to run away from the Romulans, uh, uh, some some sneaky subterfuge type stuff happening in the next few episodes. Yeah, it's going to be because because the Romulans. So first of all, at the end of this episode, we get a Dirk class warbird. Yeah. Decloaking and, and confronting Janeway. Yeah, three of them. And you get your typical, like, you cannot cross into the Romulan neutral zone. Also, we get the Dauntless's crew saying that they're going to disobey Janeway's orders to go into the neutral zone. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think, like, I don't feel like it's typical for for the, uh, like, usually there's, like, warnings of, like, sir, that could, that could uh, lead to, a, or that could, uh, be interpreted as a declaration of war but it's just like oh her her crew is just about to mutiny on her like right away (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the romulans show up so um we'll see i mean now our kids need to basically fix the 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 prototype right like otherwise Mm -hmm. they don't they don't have their like super fast um way to get around anymore and then Janeway has to find some way to the neutral zone to find them. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I think it's 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 definitely interesting, like disabling the the. I mean, I guess this is often done in shows where you, you uh, like if it's a superhero show, like the superhero has to lose their powers at some point. So like this is this is us having that happen to the protostar. But uh, I guess I, I just I, I wasn't expecting to uh, have us disable like the thing that makes this sh- this uh, ship special. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be operating under much more normal federation rules i think in terms of how how this ship is going to to work yeah. um but yeah it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how janeway can try to get a hold of them uh like across the neutral zone because i i assume it's not just going to be oh well i guess we'll just have to wait and see when they come back uh yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what like it seems like this season they're going to wrap up this whole week on talk to them plot like can't be endless yeah. like so it seems like by the end of this episode there'll be some connection between the kids and Janeway so the question for me then becomes what happens after this season like do they end up like does it is, is the fin- season finale basically the protostar getting thrown 70,000 miles away uh, uh no it's it's going to uh they're going to determine that they have to take the living construct where it can't hurt anyone else which is uh the 32nd century yeah that I could believe that, and that's why the burn happened. Actually, it wasn't like love or whatever. It was actually the living construct. <laughs> I would be nice. That would be nice retconning that shit. I would actually. Yes. Yeah. Accept. Actually, that's that's better. So, uh, if you're listening, <laughs> Star yeah. Trek writers, here's a good opportunity for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make it so the living construct did it. It wasn't like Sukal calling out for his mother. <laughs> oh my. Uh, that's still, uh, you know. Yeah, let's not even go there. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, any other pieces on this episode, Adam, before we jump into giving it ratings? I don't know. I, I just I, I, I do enjoy uh, getting to see some some great views of some uh, uh, Starfleet ships. So this this episode gave us some more some more of that. So I appreciated it. Yeah, and another thing that I forgot, the outrageous Okana is now with the kids. 
so they have adult supervision right yeah so i i assume he's going to be useful in the in the neutral zone because it seems like he has or, or in the uh in romulan space because it seems like he has uh experience smuggling things across the border so mm-hmm. yeah I, I he's gonna do something outrageous over the next few episodes and we need to um we need to figure out where like whether he gets his heart of gold or whether he tries to take advantage of the kids and steal the ship like it could go one of either way right like i feel like because it's a yeah. kid's show like they have to be like oh he's you know they have to show the best in people right yeah but i i, I could i could just as easily see uh this ending with like he ends up in prison in romulan space uh after he tried to betray the kids and like that's him learning his lesson or something like that but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well uh let's jump into strange new ratings i'm gonna stick my neck out and give this show episode a rating first i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten solid episode not bad not like unbelievable or amazing but it's good i think i'm gonna go a little bit higher but uh yeah I, i think i'll go with an eight uh but I, I think similar feelings of like uh it's it was i had i had fun uh it was uh definitely important for like the structure of the entire season and and mm-hmm. whatnot so i i appreciate it for for that case and, and i i might have a lot uh greater appreciation depending on like how this season ends up turning out uh but yeah so solid episode of star trek uh probably one that you want to watch in the context of this entire uh, uh, season rather than just like as a one-off that you do. All right. Well, thanks Adam for joining me to discuss this episode. I'm really enjoying Prodigy. It's always nice to come over here and chit chat about it after watching the episode. So appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely loving this, this show. It, it it is going to be hard for them to not make this the best first season of Star Trek uh, or even like, up there in terms of like season at all uh of star trek like this this is this is incredible what they have done with a show that's like four kids or whatnot because mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah it's quality is amazing i definitely the highest like expectation to execution yeah difference yeah absolutely for any star trek show um Thank you also to Bill, Emily, and Rudy. Hopefully they're having good times today, wherever they are, whatever they're doing. And uh, also thanks, thank Nash, you for bringing us all here. Yeah, Sorry of I interrupted you. No worries, no worries. And thanks just to Guha <laughs> for recording our theme music. Thank you, dear listener, for making time for us in your week. And special thanks this week to the outrageous Akana. If he wasn't hiding in that, like, random hovercraft the kids would never doubt supervision in the Romulan neutral zone they probably get blown to smithereens the first warbird they meet and this would be a lot shorter of a season so we wouldn't have as much of this great shorter to enjoy because the kids would all be dead so special thanks to the outrageous Akkad <laughs> alright thanks, thanks everyone goodbye bye